0: It's March fifteenth, two 2019. This is Acacia Thompson for the Greenpoint Oral History Project in Brooklyn Public Libraries, Our Streets, Our Stories. I'm here on Oak Street with
1: Trina McKeever. Hi, Trina. Hi, Acacia. So Trina, how long have you been in Greenpoint? I moved to Greenpoint in 1987 when I married my husband, Rob. And we moved first to Lorimer Street, to the big apartment building on the corner of Lorimer and Noble. And then um, we this house became was on the market and I had some relatives that died and there was a little bit of money and so we, we bought this house at 133 Oak Street in 1989, which was an incredible thing for us.
0: <laughs> well, Can you describe
1: to me Oak Street and the area when you moved here? When we moved here, it was very Polish. There was a, um, there was Polish spoken on the street and a, the, a lot of the stores on Manhattan Avenue were Polish and you really felt like you were in... A, a neighborhood that's very different from what it is now. It really felt like a, a, more of a, an immigrant, a neighborhood full of Polish immigrants, <laughs> and you felt like you were kind of an outsider, but, um, but a welcomed outsider. I mean, it, there wasn't, didn't seem to be hostility. It, it was a very comfortable, great place to live. And what about, and now? Well, it's 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 a complete total transformation. It's still um, it's I feel a great place to live, but I think you have to fight to keep it a great place to live, which is what your project's all about. Well, can you we'll
0: segue to the work that you've done in the neighborhood? What got you involved in in?
1: Advocating for open space. Well, I remember at one point there was—I can't remember what year—but there was going to be a big um, power plant at the end of Oak Street between Oak Street and Noble. And Rob and I—we had small kids at the time and babies—and and, and we—I we, remember attending meetings. And I remember Felice Kirby; she was so incredible, just the way, um, just just how she held the meetings and and how she was able to bring the facts to bear and and just just the just harness the, the strength in the neighborhood to, to fight against the power plant. And we were just basically um, bystanders watching and participating. I remember going to different um, candlelight marches and things, but but really as an outsider, as someone that lending support, but not involved at all. But by the time our, we have three sons, and by the time our third son went to um, was in middle school or not middle school in elementary school, I felt that I had a little time as someone that works full time to, to give to the neighborhood, and I joined the Guap board around two thousand and four, so in the wake or, or before the um, two thousand and five rezoning, and so I was able to kind of get up to speed on on more of the issues in the neighborhood and and spend some time w- with advocacy and and just trying to trying to trying to do what I could.
0: <laughs> and after Guap came fighting for Bushwick Inlet.
1: Yeah, well, actually, the Bushwick Inlet. The, at one point, it, with Guap, we realized after the two thousand and five rezoning that the the parks were really in um in peril, and the board uh, whacked up the different parks in the neighborhood, and people were assigned different parks. We we were having a big meeting, um, where. I can't remember what we called. We had some clever name for it, but where each of the board members was sort of presented what was going on in the different parks. And at that point, I was given assigned Bushwick Inlet, and I had no idea what what the whole story was. And so it was it, it was interesting. It was a lot of actually. Ward Dennis had a blog that had a lot of the really really critical information that um, that I was able to then. Um, put together and, and in a very sputtery way <laughs> speak about at, at that meeting and that was kind of the beginning of the Friends of Bushwick in the park but, but really there was no there was nothing to it because there was um, there, basically there wasn't a park and so there wasn't really a, any kind of it was hard to, to get people I didn't really have I didn't have the skills or the information to or the critical um, need in the, to, to, to pull together a friends group. It wasn't until after the, the fire at City Storage that the Friends of Bushwick in Park really got going.
0: Right. Can we talk a little bit about how the waterfront has changed? You're so proximal to the waterfront, and um, compared to when you moved here, what has the access been like? How has
1: that changed there was no access for so many years and I, I remember once my kids got to be teenagers they figured out ways to sneak into the terminal market and, and sort of work there where there was a a um, skate park that i remember alex my oldest son as a teenager used to go to uh, uh, called skanky town down on the on the waterfront where the state park is right now and uh, but that was really the only water water access when it just when kids became teenagers and figured out their ways to worm themselves to the waterfront but as children they they played in the street they played in mccarran park and mccarran park and i remember early sort of the beginnings of the greenpoint soccer league where um, the thompsons were put, putting together neighborhood soccer games and it was just a dust bowl or and at a certain point they figured out they could play in the I guess they got permission to play soccer within the fenced area where the automotive high school is, where, um, where there's now the big garden, but that was a much cleaner soccer field for little kids. And so there would be games there, but there was no, I mean, it it was a, I mean, it was a great, a great. I, th- I feel like my children had an amazing childhood growing up here, but it definitely was gritty and urban, and, and there weren't parks, which was one of the things that, once I had some time, really became kind of a focus of, of a lot of the my advocacy.
0: And so what sort of things is Friends of Bushwick and Lent Park
1: doing now? Well, we're having a big meeting on Monday. To, <laughs> well, basically, we're trying to figure out, um, well... D- there's a, a big push for the gardening in the part of the park that's there. We're trying to help shape the par- parcels of the park that are that are being funded, and making sure the design um, reflects the history and the um, just that that the designs are, are worthy of of what what they could be because I think parks, given their budgets, want has. I mean, sure they'll make a green space, but what we want is a green space that really reflects the energy of the neighborhood and 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 where park design is right now in 2019. Not not just a plain old open space, but something. Given given the percentage of parks and open space that this neighborhood has versus the density, we really deserve to have a park that that reflects the history and and resilience and just all the. Um, just not a plain vanilla park.
0: What do you think are our current most pressing environmental concerns in the
1: neighborhood? Just complete overdevelopment. The fact that the, the infrastructure isn't there for, for what's coming at us as these buildings start to get built and, and once they're, they're peopled. I mean it, it's kind of crazy that the city just thought to to rezone the swath of the neighbor this whole neighborhood without um, putting without thinking of what the impact is it would be really interesting to look at the environmental impact statement that really justified the 2005 rezoning and compare it to to where we are right now and I think but maybe that's true of rezoning's all over the city that city planning just does what they want. I don't know.
0: Well, is there anything else you'd like to say about Greenpoint? Um,
1: I'm really glad I live here. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story with me, sure.